Today's episode of Tampering is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. And not only did I do the soft serve, but Joe, I mean, I'm laying it on thick. I, I'm doing the cherries. I'm doing the, the chocolate syrup. I'm doing the, I'm not a sprinkles guy, but I'm doing the, the nuts and putting them on there. And as I'm doing it, I feel somebody's big old paw on my shoulder and someone whispers in my ear and I hear this voice and this man says to me, man, are you 12 years old? What are you doing out here? Tamper with you. Welcome to Tamper with Sam Amick and Joe Vardy. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Uh-huh. uh-huh. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. Trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of Tampering, the Athletics NBA Insiders podcast. This is Joe Varden. I am joined by Sam Amick. Sam, hello. Joseph, good morning. Good afternoon for you. What's up, brother? Just, uh, you know, week number 74 in in quarantine here. Um, (laughs) You know, doing all right. Uh, As our listeners know, over the last couple weeks, we've had some pretty big guests. Um, They came on and made some news even. Uh, A couple weeks ago, it was uh, Utah's Joe Ingles. And last week, we had uh, the Brooklyn Nets' Garrett Temple. And uh, we thank them. And and those were great conversations. And Don't leave Dan Pfeiffer out. Don't leave Dan Pfeiffer. Don't. That's correct. Actually, yeah. uh, going way back. I mean, again, you know, the quarantine is uh, is wearing on us all. It's uh, erasing memories. Uh, yes, that's right. We started all this with a friend of the show, Dan Pfeiffer. We are going to, you know, I think we we talked off air about this, Joe. It's it's time for us to tell a few stories ourselves and, and pull the old curtain back as we uh, we fill the time here. That's right. I mean, we uh, in in all seriousness, we do. You know, we've had these great guests on. We've had these great conversations about. Uh, the virus and the pandemic and the spread and how to manage it and what's going on with these players and what we can expect in the future. And today, um, Sam and I thought that we would reset a little, um, just talk a little bit um, about some of the news that's come out recently as it relates to getting back on the court uh, and just some of the virus stuff. But also we do want to um, talk a little bit more about what it's like to be uh, in the league as a reporter and, and tell some of the funny stories that we have and, and some ideas that we have going forward as, as this quarantine goes on. But we want to start today with the most important thing we could possibly think of, and that is, yes, our uh, esteemed producer, Andrew Schlecht, who lives in Oklahoma City, which means he was a Joe Exotic neighbor. Uh, Andrew, uh, welcome aboard, and uh, you have been to the Tiger King Zoo, and we have to hear all about it. 
Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I've been. I've been once. It's it's kind of an odd story. So I I was. It was probably eleven or twelve years ago. Uh, I was right out of college, and I was actually working as a mental health tech for a center for kids with autism. And our one of our leaders that day said, "Hey, we're going to go to the zoo today." I said, "Great, let's go to the zoo." I thought we'd just be going to the Oklahoma City Zoo. And we hop on the highway and we're going south out of Oklahoma City. That's not the way. Oh, we're going to this this new tiger zoo or this this different kind of tiger zoo. I'm like, okay, great. And so we've got all these kids that are mostly nonverbal with us that need like one-on-one care, really kids that really struggle. And so we, t- we take them to this zoo and we start walking up and I'm like, this is like a DIY zoo. Like this, somebody just just made this, <laughs> and you can just right. walk up. I mean, you can walk up to a tiger, just right up to it. And I'm like, where are we? And it just did. It did not feel safe. I did not meet Joe Exotic, uh, but it was just such a strange experience. It was. It was almost like a dream. Like, are we really just walking by just tens of tigers here? Uh, it was, well, it was I just, a weird experience. I wish you, I wish you would have met Joel Exotic. I was going to say you talk about fertile ground for a mental health expert. Yeah, um, no, I'm you kidding. could have had a field day there. So, but you know, everybody get in and out safely, and and uh, and none of the kids uh, came out with, with scratches on them. No, we were all good. Luckily, after watching after watching the documentary, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, what in the world were we doing taking all these kids there? But uh, everybody yes, made it out emo- safe and sound. Emotionally scarred, but, right. but, but everything else is fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> I only remember did, bits and did pieces. Did you get to pet a trauma. tiger? I did. I did not. No, we had. We did have somebody that that did, and that like went into the cage. And I'm just like, this is not what a zoo is, guys. This is not how right. this is supposed to happen. Right. So these animal zoos exist, as we know. Uh, it's not just in Oklahoma. It's not just in Myrtle Beach with the other guy from that documentary. Um, I went to college in a at, at a small school in rural Ohio, uh, in a in a town that is basically directly between Cleveland and Columbus. And the town is called Worcester. It's a farm community in the middle of a bunch of farm communities, and there was an animal zoo in the town over. In the town was called Orville, which is where they make Smucker's grape jelly. And there was the zoo there, and it was totally insane, but it was right next to the golf course that we would go play all the time in, in college. And so we would drive by, and one day I happened to notice that this thing was there, and I saw like a couple lions running around in the cage. But the thing was, now you got to remember, we are college kids, and so we're idiots, uh, immature. I mean, you can say what you want about me now, but multiply that by uh, 20 you know, going back 20 years ago. And we just, I just remember driving along and we looked over and saw the zebra. And the zebra penis was so big that it was dragging on the ground in the dirt as it ran by our car, uh, separated only by like some chicken wire. Welcome to the tampering animal pod. <laughs> That's right. The other thing was um, the drive, because I grew up in Akron. And so the drive from Akron to Worcester, you had to take this, this country road called 585. And when you got to very near Orville, actually, there was this large oak tree on the side of the road. And for about a period of a month, a bear was tied to the tree, an actual bear. So 
Somebody uh, feeding it uh, in between? <laughs> what, what? I was driving him out a little Saturn, man. I'd speed yeah. up as as uh, anytime I got near that thing. Um, but sure. so, so yeah, so you know that that was like for me, like just watching this all this insanity. Like, yes, it's insane. You cannot believe someone like Joe Exotic a has that many guns, b access to that many tigers. Um, actually, we all remember what happened in Ohio in eh, about six, seven years ago when someone had a zoo like that in Zanesville and opened up all the right. cages, and that was a, a disaster. That was um, actually, that was that was in the show. Yeah, that was in the, the yeah. so at the top of the show. Uh, you know, there's that press conference where the governor of Ohio at the time, John Kasich, is talking about this, and I was there. I was just off camera from what they showed, like you know, covering that press conference because he was who I was assigned to. And, you know, I remember driving back and forth from Zanesville and, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, that's why our listeners tune in is to hear all about Tiger King, though. Well, listen, I mean, I, I was just going to go down that road, Joe. For one, Zanesville, uh, hometown of the one and only Kevin Martin, one of my favorite guys who I covered in the league, former Sacramento King and Houston Rocket. Um, but I, I we, we joke, but talking Tiger King, talking – these are uh, indications that our minds are wandering far from basketball the longer that this thing goes on. Uh, and I don't know how you feel, but this week in particular, we talked off air about this. Um, just being honest, like it is, for me, it's the first, you know, it's a Monday as we sit here recording, and it's the first week where I've really kind of sat up in my chair, so to speak, and just been like, man, good Lord, it's been a while since I was in an arena. You know, I I got out of bed today, and uh, this doesn't speak well of my, my cleanliness, but in the corner, our master bedroom is kind of absurdly, not even absurdly big, but designed in a way where there's a lot of unnecessary space. So I look over in the corner and I've still got my last peak of, uh, piece of luggage from a road trip oh, wow. with some, some clean clothes sitting in it. And I kind of glanced at it and it was like, it just took me back to where, you know, at least every week, every two weeks, and for what we do, you, you typically, um, you know, you're on the go and you're telling your, your wife, all right, it's going to be this city on this day and I'll be back on Saturday. Uh, and it's hectic and it's fun and it's in and out and it's something different all the time. And now, um, you know, like everybody uh, who's who's living the stay at home life, uh, it's Groundhog Day. And, and you know, there's uh, it's just different, man. It, you know, and, and I know we got some news in the association to talk about this week, um, but but it just seems like it's uh, it's been a while here. It really does. I mean, and we were talking last week, like, and we were even talking about, we talk about this with the players that we've had on recently, just about how much are you actually thinking about basketball? Like, when was the last time that you really thought about the Lakers and if they come back, like, what this layoff could that you know would that help LeBron for instance he's because he's had now another two months off on his legs or whatever the case may be or um if we don't finish the season uh you know I mean LeBron's 35 and uh, he's had a really good chance at winning one more title go out the window just stuff like that um th- haven't thought about the Bucks and forever and if they have enough and how Giannis is doing and uh, it's just insane. Like like you like you mentioned, um, there is some news we wanted to get into here before we really start to go uh, down the the let's get weird path. Um, on Saturday, yes, uh, the commissioners of most major professional American sports, not all, uh, tennis was not there, for instance, but most of them 
Sorry, hit that. The NCAA wasn't there either. Don't don't forget about that pro sports league. That's right. Um, but but yes, uh, yes, good point. Uh, they had a call with President Trump, and um, what uh, Sam tell us what was said. Um, I was not personally on the call, man. I tried hard, couldn't get on there. Um, but the general idea was that he wanted to see fans uh, back in seats. And correct me if I'm. I'm remembering incorrectly but like in in august mid-august and i mean in general it seemed as if the tone not surprisingly was i mean call it overly optimistic call it kind of you know uh, just the 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 focus certainly seemed to be more on business than on health and again i wasn't on it but those are my concerns coming out of it that that it's that that idea that that you can somehow whether it's the president, whether it's any of these commissioners from all these different leagues that you, I mean, sure, you can plan and you can hope, but it's, it's like the, the, the great Dr. Fauci keeps saying, um, our new kind of a national hero that, you know, the virus uh, makes up the timeline and, and that's just the reality. And I, my quick disclaimer, I, we did make a choice on this pod. We know everybody's got, you know, COVID-19 fatigue and we're not going to go too far down this road and, and just talk about the virus, but the obvious stuff the, the ripple effect on the league and the question of when we're going to see any sort of sports again was front and center in that call. Um, I personally just didn't necessarily understand the value of the call at this point. Um, I think those commissioners should be, and they are, but I mean, the, the focus should be calls with the medical professionals. Um, but you know, I, you know, maybe a little bit of grandstanding there and, and who knows if they felt like they accomplished anything. But, but again, the takeaway was, uh, some sense of optimism to get sports back in the late summer. So there's a call with, let's say, 12 commissioners. And what came out of the call? Well, there was something about how maybe the leagues should lobby Congress to reinstitute some kind of tax credit um, that fans could could get, uh, which which I don't actually think would work in terms of um, – you know, being able to write off tickets you buy on your tax returns. I, I, I think that, you know, the fans who are going to be economically hurt over the next weeks and months aren't going to care about a tax credit when it comes to whether or not they can go back to games uh, here in, in the fall or whatever. So that's fine. But but the biggest news was what? That Trump thinks that the NFL should start on time with fans in the stands. Start on time, yeah. Right. Now, so why would the NBA or Major League Baseball or NHL, or why would any of those leagues need to be on that call? Well, of course they wouldn't. I mean, if 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 um, the president wanted to deliver a message privately to the NFL saying, I think you should start on time and here's why, of course he could have picked up the phone and just talked to Roger Goodell. But by doing it this way, by inviting all 12 uh, of these commissioners, what happened? Well, now there's a news story because everybody knows that all these commissioners are on it. And what was the news story? Well, the president thinks this league should be back on time. Now, for now, um, the NFL happens to agree with him, at least the uh, the commissioner's office, and I suppose their board of governors, um, is planning on starting the season on time with fans in the stands. So that's fine until we start to go down that road, and let's say that the science hasn't caught up yet. Now... If things aren't going well, if the management of the disease isn't going well, if the economy stinks, um, the president can use this, can can basically juxtapose himself against the NFL 
and turn them into a foil, much the way he did in 2017 uh, with with the whole debate over uh, Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling. And without getting into the politics of that, look at the NFL's TV ratings that fall. Talking about a dramatic drop, um, especially in the areas of the country where the president is popular and certainly was at the time. And I just, you know, again, especially because right now the people who run the NFL are on the same page with him. It's not as front and center, but without any science involved, we don't have testing yet. We don't, like you said, the doctors were not on the call. Um, We don't have medicine. We don't have anything. Okay. And we're still saying, yes, the NFL has to start on time. I think you should. That's what the president says. Boy, if they don't, now all of a sudden he's got that bully pulpit, you know, kind of shaming them into it. Like, see, you could have a relief. You could have – we could be starting to get back to work, but but the league won't do it. And I just – that's what I felt like was being set up here over the weekend. No, I mean, that's a good analysis. And, and you know, as you do every so often on the show, showing a lot of your, your kind of political savvy and background being a reporter on that side. Um, I also – not nearly as nuanced or – sophisticated of a takeaway but man conference calls are tough in general when you get three four five people I, you know when i saw the numbers i was going how, how the hell does that work i don't think that they're making the rounds and, and and having all of their voices heard i think this is a get on here hear my message um you know and I, I don't know how robust the discussion was but your framing of it makes sense um but again none of it matters uh you know nothing matters more or or really at all other than the uh, the the direction of the curve and so that's what we're going to keep monitoring and then right along with that uh we started to hear about an idea the nba is considering about maybe trying to televise uh games of horse uh, between various high profile nba players where they are sequestered in their own gym maybe it's a home gym maybe it's a high school gym with nobody in it um, except for like, I, who even knows how you do this? If you set up your phone and do it on Skype, I don't know. But basically, in these clean gyms, they you play horse, and that's going to be on TV. Maybe um, this comes out the weekend that ESPN started running uh, players playing against each other in a video game, um, and then also we've been hit full bore by both ESPN and NBA TV with reruns of games from the past. And of course, obviously that makes the most sense with these sports-only networks. What are they going to do with all this time? And so, you know, last week, like, I went down memory lane. They showed games 5 and 7 of the 2016 finals, Cavs-Warriors. I did watch that uh, over the weekend. You saw a bunch of Kobe, KG stuff from the Hall of Fame. Um, some of their old finals games. Um, what do you think of kind of all of that? And I think what I'll ask you first, Sam, is are you watching any of these rerun games? Honestly, I'm not. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what the mental hurdle is. I, I, I kind of have been in the mindset of uh, maybe I'm just a, a Grinch who's not nostalgic in that kind of way. Um, I've, I've seen them on. I've, I've flipped past them at different times. Um I also, this is way more info than the listeners wanted, but I made a tactical mistake in, uh, in, in deciding my TV provider a couple of months back and we switched over to Hulu and I generally love Hulu. Hulu also does not have NBA TV. So NBA TV, uh, in order for Sam to watch it and catch some of these games, uh, I, I may have, uh, stolen a log on from a friend of mine and it becomes a, an online streaming experience. So you're not like, I don't have the natural flipping through the channels. There's NBA TV. 
option at the moment. I have access to it, but it's just not front and center. So I think I've missed some of that stuff. Um, but in general, I mean, I, I applaud the league for its attempts at creativity. I'd be curious to see the ratings on the NBA 2K face-offs. They're fun ideas. I mean, you need to feel the programming. You need to think differently. Um, but no, they haven't moved the needle for me. I, the, the 2K thing in particular, my Hulu lineup clearly knows that I'm basketball-centric because it's been trying to force-feed me, you know, Hassan Whiteside against Pat Beverly um, as like a first option and, and all these different – and I find myself just – shrugging and maybe watching for 30 seconds i mean pat cracked me up when when he did his game because pat is gonna trash talk whether he's on a court or he's like in a grocery store line and <laughs> and so he was yelling and it was super entertaining and you know so that was good the horse thing i'd probably be a little more inclined to watch at least it's real basketball it involves um you know non nba players and, and i think could be fun I, I would personally lobby for this to include magic johnson since the other day he put up a picture of himself from his house and what got my attention, and I don't think it was intentional by any means, but, but man, talk about trolling the NBA players who don't have the means to have a hoop at their house. Magic had a really nice hoop in, in the back of his picture. And I'm going, all right, well, you should be a part of this horse thing. Uh, I think that could be fun. Uh, but they're obviously grasping at straws, just trying to figure out things to, to keep people engaged here. Do you think that... Yeah, I mean, because you just you just hit on on an idea there—a Magic Michael Larry horse game. Oh yeah, absolutely. Is first of all, could Larry's? Because I'm sure, like to, at some level, Magic and Michael could do it. Would and a Larry, new McDonald's commercial is, to so, go with it. Yeah, I mean, like, would Larry's back allow this? Like, do you think he could get? Do you think he could do this? I feel like I read. Last time I talked to Larry, in, in, in we talk about things that, that seemed like a million years ago. I talked to him in India uh, during the preseason when the Pacers and Kings went over there. Um, didn't get a, you know, he was sitting. He, he, I didn't get a sense for his level of activity. I feel like I've read an interview not too long ago where where he shared that it had been quite some time since he put a ball up. So I, I don't know, you know, what uh, Larry's state would be. I would guess that, that of the three – Michael is going to be most primed and ready to take part in that game. Magic probably not far behind. You see a lot of stuff on social media with Magic, you know, being very active uh, and, and getting his cardio in. So that especially, I mean, that's how, listen, good luck getting those three to agree to do it. Um, but that would be ratings gold, I think, because you're going to, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, you're going to pull in the boomers. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be. It's going to be beyond uh, the twenty, you know, the the teenagers and the twenty plus audience. You're going to go up to the fifty year olds and sixty year olds. Uh, that would be fun. Yeah, I think I would watch that. I mean, if somehow we could get Tiger and man, if this happens, we better get a a damn check here. This is a good idea. I think it is. <laughs> okay, if Sergio came to you, the Sergio Gonzalez, our NBA esteemed NBA editor here at at the Athletic. If if he said he wanted some copy from you off of a uh, a televised horse game, would you do it? With those guys, yes. Uh, Sergio, I love you. Don't come my way with, uh, you know, with, with I don't even know who I'm trying to pick on here, uh, you know, Myers Leonard against, uh, uh, you know, Buddy Heald. No, that's not going to work. <laughs> those are your guys, but, by the way, Myers and Buddy Heald. You know, <laughs> that's tough. Man. Remember the good old days when Buddy was uh, not happy about coming off the bench and, 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 the, and we wrote that, that he would – 
possibly contemplate asking for a trade this summer if he didn't get his starting role back. Uh, again, speaking of things that seemed like they were a long, long time ago. Sam, I not long before this whole, before this whole thing happened, I wrote this big story about whether LeBron and and Zion Williamson are talking enough. If they if they talk as much as they should, you know, considering who they well, are. They got league. time now. They should Wow. <laughs> I hope they're FaceTiming every day. I mean really Maybe you need to just, follow it. Follow up column. You <laughs> propose that they work on their relationship. <laughs> wow. It's amazing. I mean I mean if someone could have tapped you on the shoulder uh just in those days in February and said, Hey all this bullshit you're writing about now, you aren't going to believe how how little it matters come one month. Well, and this, like this one isn't as, not bad's the wrong word, but as stark. Um, but even when, and we promised we wouldn't talk Corona, This to me this isn't talking Corona. We're just talking life and the, the impact of it all. Um, when this, the stay-at-home stuff began, in my neck of the woods, uh, the Elk Grove School District, where our kids go, where my wife teaches, um, they shut down uh, fairly early for the area. Uh, the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay, about 90 minutes away, had started to shut down. And and what also seems crazy in hindsight is that that district got a lot of flack for making that call when they did it. And that actually had an NBA tie-in because Marvin Bagley's brother um, played for a high school that was uh, you know competing for a state championship. And their playoffs got shut down. And they actually made an exception early on, let them play one game um, because there was so much pushback from the community. But now you look back on that, and now that now that there's a you know a ninety seven percent stay at home policy across the country, it seems crazy that that we were litigating you know one particular district, one particular area. Uh, but it moved quickly, and you know I mean that's again that seems like a, a very long time ago. I just to to kind of wrap this up, um, and, and I th- I would imagine your reporting on this is similar. Um, yes, of of course the NBA. Never mind the other sports. I mean, this is an NBA podcast, so there are deep thinkers right now uh, meeting every day via Zoom. Um, the NBA is including uh, you know economists and medical experts, and they are talking about all the contingency plans. Um, but there is no plan. There is no plan uh, either to shut down the season and not come back. There is no plan to restart. Um, we're still too early in the process, uh, as as far as anybody can tell. And you know, I think that anything else you see is is probably more speculation than anything. Yeah, that's the thing. They're they're uh, what they've run into a little bit is they've workshopped so many scenarios, and then some of those scenarios leak, and then the appearance is that those scenarios are front and center and those are the priority when in fact, I think they're, they're probably covering, you know, the full gamut here. Um, but they don't know. Um, sorry, I sneeze was getting the best of me there. Um, they, you know, they, yeah, they're, they're trying to, to see what's next here, but I keep going to the same reality, which is, you know, the, uh, the curb is going to be in control. But I, yeah. I do, you know, we didn't get into this much last time when we had Garrett Temple on the show, who's one of the VPs on the of the Players Union. You know, the, the player pay situation remains unclear and uncertain. Uh, Arsham Sharania had reported a few days back that there were pretty extreme proposals on the part of the league. Uh, I believe it was a 50% pay cut is what they were pr- pitching. And then, you know, the players had responded uh, with 25. So that stuff is, is being worked out. Uh, Jared Dudley, who's always outspoken, and, and we should plug, uh, just did an interview with our Michael Lee 
uh, a long Q&A talking about all of this stuff and more. Jared had tweeted that, that he did not think a decision would be made until roughly June 1st on this thing. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that speaks to the same idea, which is you just you can talk about the scenarios, but you need to know the numbers and the reality um, when you know that time comes around. And, and given where it's at now, it still seems, I mean, if you're asking me to handicap things, um, I would probably at this point be on the fence of, of saying, you know, goodbye to the 1920 season. Yeah, that blows. Um, you know, as we kind of, I could be wrong. That's just how I feel. No, uh, you're probably right, which again, sucks, but, um, all right, let's go, let's go happier time. Yeah. That's the segue. Like the, um, where we were talking about, um, just ideas like we're turning into ideas people here and and off off air sam and i could not think of the name of this video game and i just thought of it um this is like a future sim city of a podcast sim city that's Did it i get it that's it you got it and and so for Finally. a future podcast not today because um we just sprung this on each other but we were thinking you know there's all these scenarios out there about well you know if the nba comes back we have to do it in vegas and but we have to quarantine all these people and whatever and there's been some stories about how why that might be improbable and in sim city you don't have to worry about that you just get to kind of do it so we were thinking like down the road we could do a podcast where we just play a sim city version of a return to the court this summer and so we're saying like okay we'll pick the city we'll pick who gets allowed in we'll get we'll pick how you eat the food and it's going to be a lot of fun um so so one another idea that we're going to tease now and get into it a little bit but i think we'll we'll do this more on down the line you all remember the show inside the actor's studio with james lipton where some famous actor or actress would come in and he would kind of do a this is your life question and answer session with them where you would they would talk about uh how the how the actor grew up and and all the different crazy jobs they had as teenagers and what led them into acting and first acting experience and just kind of all the way through the movies and sam and i are so famous that we think that we should do uh an inside the actor studio with each other one day i'll get to play james lipton and one day he'll get to play james lipton and we'll just kind of really take you through the ins and outs of, of how we got where we are, but we wanted to give you kind of a little teaser on that and, and just kind of tell you like a story or an anecdote that kind of helped push us in this direction. And, and uh, Sam, I really liked yours. Oh, uh, the, the one I shared before the non-basketball yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that one's fun. Um, although before I get to it, Andrew, I'm going to make an on-air request here. Can we now, and I, I'm hoping I'm not wrong about this. Am I correct that that the great James Limpton uh, is has passed? Is he the late? He did pass more. March second of oh, this year. Geez. actually. Wait a minute. He just died this mm-hmm. month. Yeah, just last month. Yeah, just a month ago. If we're gonna do the homage, we need to somehow integrate some actual audio from James. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? But no, I think this could be a fun idea, and to be honest, I think we'll go down in future pods, like you said, Joe. We'll do a deeper dive on on kind of your path, and and do the same with me. But we could extend this out to a lot of our our friends at the Athletic. I mean, there's a ton of good stories with other writers where we could have them on, and and uh, and kind of help people get to know them even more. So I think this is a, a fun idea. With me, the the teaser would be, and the point I made to you is that um, if I wasn't in this line of work and I was a a person who used sports and sports media solely as a distraction, 
uh, I would have a curiosity about, you know, these voices I hear in sports media, like the the general question of why and how did they go down this path. Um, but if you're taking it all the way back for me and just like the moment when the light bulb kind of goes off and, and you think to yourself that, like, I don't know what form this takes, but man, I sure enjoy being around the game in person and 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 even potentially interacting with these athletes who I you know look up to as a kid and, and think so highly of in terms of the talent. I was a big baseball kid, and we used to go to spring training. Uh, I think a grand total of three or four times. We went annually for a stretch when it was probably when I was like ten to thirteen to fourteen around there, and go out to Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, my my dad's uh, best friend and, and the late Rich Brown, uh, who I love dearly, and, and we lost last year. Um, his family lived in Phoenix, so we had somewhere to stay, and we would go out. And this is, you know, my uh, cousin Justin and my my uncle John and some other family. We would drive from the San Francisco Bay out to Phoenix, and I was a big San Francisco Giants fan. And the moment that I shared with you that that kind of fits into this lane in this category is that. Um, we go to a giant spring training game and this is back before spring training was nearly as popular as it is now. It was pretty loosely populated. You know, the crowds were sparse and the access was, was pretty amazing. And we go to a game really early. Now I was a Will Clark kid. Like he was, you know, my number one baseball player by far, you know, that, that incredible left-handed swing, you know, the swagger that he had, you know, his kind of how smooth he was at first base. And I walk to the batting cage, and I'm just basically poking around this spring training stadium where the Giants play and just trying to see who's around, and my dad's sitting in the stands. And, uh, and I go over to the batting cage, and it's no different than if you walked up to the batting cage at your local high school. That's how kind of low-key it was. And sure enough, Will is, is in there. And there wasn't any actual interaction other than I'm about eight feet away, and I'm watching that swing in person as he, as he hits those, you know, those balls coming at him. And there was nobody else around. Um, he's getting his work in, and you're kind of just breathing the air and, and watching it and, and just enjoying the moment. And, and it sounds like there wasn't much there, and really that was it. But it was kind of that realization that, like, damn, this is pretty cool. And <laughs> I do think that in a subconscious kind of way, it's like that's when, uh, then for me, the moments started kind of stacking up from there. Because then next thing you know, as a kid, now you're pushing your dad even harder. Like, hey, dad, let's get out to a Warriors game. Let's go. To, let's get to the Niners game. Um, and and you're you're kind of getting a taste of of what ultimately you know becomes a it's a different version, but what ultimately becomes your professional life. I love that, and I just love the. I mean, one of the things I miss the most about sports in general is just that sound. At, at, at batting practice, like just the sound, the repetitive right. sound of the ball hitting the wood bat like that. Um, the story that I wanted to talk well, about today. Well, oh, go ahead. Real please. quick, buddy. Sorry. Just, no, just to cap it off, and I hadn't thought of this even before we talked about the story. Um, last week, um, somebody, and this made my day because you can imagine the nostalgia, uh, somebody posted a video. I think it was actually um, Amy Gutierrez, a longtime commentator for. Uh, NBC Sports Bay Area on the Giants had put a video up of Will the Thrill as you know at his house. I don't know where he's living now, but like quarantined at his house with the batting tee, doing his thing at whatever age he's at now, and 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 certainly that took me back. So that was kind of fun. Um, my story is 
let's see. It was college. Uh, I actually, I think it was supposed to be the summer of my sophomore year. I was a baseball player at that small school I was telling you guys about. And I was supposed to go um, out to Boston to play in uh, one of the wood bat leagues out there for college kids. And I was all set up to go. I was going to drive and stay with an assistant coach and, and everything was, was, was ready. And then uh, my dad got sick. And he's not the moral of the story here. He lived, ended up living like another 17 years or something like that. Um, but, but at the time, it just meant, can't, sorry, can't make it, can't, can't get out there. Um, so, okay, I need a job now. And there was a family friend who was a big shot accountant at the Akron Beacon Journal. And um, I just was interested in any kind of job anywhere. And so she basically got me a job in the new, or not in the newsroom, uh, in the mailroom. And so I was Jimmy from Superman, basically, uh, pushing mail around the, the floors of the Beacon Journal like I was at the Daily Planet. And, uh, and one day, while delivering the mail to the sports department, I slipped into the mail on the sports editor's desk. His name was, uh, was Larry Pantages. I slipped in there a packet with my writing samples. And I had a little, like, little note written up like, hey, um, I don't know if you have ever seen me before, but I'm pushing the mail around. Uh, I'm interested. I would like to work for you any way I could. And, but, you know, another week or two goes by getting towards the end of the internship or whatever, and I get a call from him, and it was Larry, and he said, uh, hey, uh, uh, JoJo, this is uh, Larry Pantages, uh, sports editor at Beacon Journal. I, 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 got your, <laughs> I, got, I got your delivery. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay. And, and, and he had basically, he offered me um, a job uh, doing high school games, one a week on Friday nights in the fall and in the winter, which I could do because uh, baseball wasn't as demanding at, at, at those times. And so that's how I got my start, um, getting to go to the to you know a high school football game every Friday night, and then a high high school basketball game either Friday or Saturday or maybe Wednesday, and and I did that all through college. Never took one journalism class, but that was uh, it was kind of learning on the fly, like the you know uh, baptism by fire. I like it. That's very cool. That's an old school story. Uh, that's the the sad you know reality of some of the the impact on the the newspaper industry is is uh, I think those types of when I got my start stories are, are going to be few and far between now, but that, uh, I think this, this is going to be fun down the road doing this buddy and going deeper and, and, and kind of, you know, I mean, yes, we're trying to fill time people, but, but there's, you know, plenty to get into. So I look forward to that. Yeah, I do as well. Um, and now we've got another gimmick, uh, for you. And this one we are doing today. It, it's immediate. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier in the show about how we just missed this. Like we, we've been away from it for so long now and it's only going to get longer. And there's just, we, you start thinking about the things you miss. And, you know, I think if we talk about some of that stuff, it'll just give you the listener a sense of just some of the things we get to do and see in these jobs. Um, and we were just going to kind of go back and forth uh, for a little bit, just the things we miss being inside the NBA, like we get to be for for work. For sure. Who's going first? Well, I, in my notes, it says you. So, all right, you have notes. I didn't know you had notes. <laughs> this right. is fancy. That's right. <laughs> uh, just top of mind, um, stream of consciousness. What do I miss? I mean, I, I'm trying to think. Of, I would like to put a face and a name on this, but in general, I'm going to say the um, getting to the game a couple hours early, and 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 the you know you can relate. You do the same thing, Joe. But 
you know, folks who haven't done this for a living might assume that the thrill is is merely in uh, watching the action in the game itself. The truth is, um, and this this kind of is a hybrid with our going down memory lane thing. I had an old mentor and friend, Joe Davidson, who um, taught me a long, long time ago covering high school sports that you know if you want to get the story, you want to find a good angle, you got to show up three hours early and talk to the coaches. And so that is something I, I apply to the NBA as well. And you get early, you get there early, and then you walk out to the floor. And what it becomes is you you are then scanning you know the seats around the the base of the court to get a sense for uh, for who's there. And, and it becomes the longer you cover the league, more of those faces and uh, are going to be familiar, and you're going to have relationships. So you know that that moment I miss. You come out of the tunnel. And you don't know which scouts are going to be in town for that game or if you're on the road, who's going to be there. So you scan the, the audience, so to speak, and then you, you kind of find yourself kind of prioritizing like, oh, there's so-and-so and he's closer to me. Let me go say hi to him um, or to her. And then I'm going to I'm going to wave to that other person 30 feet away and make sure they know that, you know, I see them and I'd love to catch up in a minute. And then you sit with, uh, you know, coach, scout, media member, whoever it is and and you talk shop, and we're constantly talking about, you know, whether it's which teams on the rise, on the fall, uh, you know, trade action, free agency stuff, rumblings, rumors, gossip, whatever it might be. You know, that's how the sausage gets made, and and uh, and having that be a regular part of the routine is something I definitely miss. I would say, okay, for for so many reasons, um, the best arena in the league is Staples Center. And I would say, I would certainly argue that everything you just described is um, maybe just a little better at Staples Center, uh, whether it's a Laker game or a Clipper game. Um, both teams have very high-profile assistant coaches uh, who like to talk shop and like to talk off the record. Um, there's always going to be high-profile agents at these games, and they're always going to be there early. Um, both teams are full of stars, uh, and of course, there's always a visiting team that comes through. Um, LA is one of the epicenters of basketball media, so you get a chance to see, you know, friends from around the league there. Um, it's just it's that's a place for it. I wanted to say one of the things I miss right off the bat is the press room at Staples Center. Um, the congregating is great. Uh, they have as much Coke Zero as you can drink. They have an ice cream machine. Not only do they have ice cream, but they also have a thing of M&Ms, a thing of cherries, um, Skittles, uh, crumbled up Oreo cookies, so you can have all that. Uh, they always have hot food, but they also, but you could eat there for free if you want, and you can eat healthy. You can have um, uncrusted. They have a refrigerator full of uncrustables, which is like those uh, like the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> is that the, the is that the healthy part? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like 300 calories, and you could have an orange. They always have like a big thing of um, fruit, like oranges and apples and bananas. So half the time I go in there, and I get an Uncrustable and an orange, um, and I just just basically connect a, a an IV into one of my veins and just start going with the Coke Zero, and I'm, I'm happy all night. I like it. Uh, you're teaching me things. I mean, I guess I knew – I'd seen the Uncrustables over there. I, I kind of chuckle whenever I see them. But, yes, they are available. Uh, you left out the fact um, that post-game, they are one of the few arenas that, that offer beer. Now, what, 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 you know, the other little inside tip uh, is, you know, if, if you want to get your hands on one of those, you have to grab one right after the game, uh, save it for later, 
and and then go do your work because the truth is if you wait until post game and, and the locker rooms are over they're going to be gone i think they probably only put out you know a, a dozen or something like that um but yes the other the other memory i don't think i shared this on the pod um this is a specific one from this season i'm in that staple center media room uh and i'm engaging in the uh soft serve ice cream that you mentioned earlier and having you know no willpower to resist it and not only did i do the soft serve but joe i mean i'm laying it on thick I, i'm doing the cherries i'm doing the the chocolate syrup i'm doing the i'm not a sprinkles guy but i'm doing the, the peanuts and you know or the nuts and putting them on there and as i'm doing it i feel somebody's big old paw on my shoulder and someone whispers in my ear and i hear this voice and this man says to me man are you 12 years old what are you doing out here and it's the one and only chris haynes <laughs> chris haynes friend and colleague uh you know writer for yahoo sports uh and and generally a dude who's not afraid to give you a hard time it did i laughed out loud because i looked at this concoction in front of me that did absolutely look like something that 12 year old sam would have you know just planted his face in and, and chris wasn't wrong but you know that's fun memories well okay so you brought up um you brought up the beer in staples center which made me think about okay Let's talk about arenas that that do serve beer or alcohol post game, and which one we miss and why. And I'm thinking about okay, they serve it in Chicago at the United Center. They serve it in Detroit. They serve it uh, in Toronto. And I really like they kind of in Toronto they go kind of writer by writer and kind of hand you one if you want it. And it's usually a Molson's, so there's a little bit more kick to it. Um, they have a nice refrigerator full of beer at Chase Center in San Francisco. Um, and then, and, and I apologize, and, oh, uh, Orlando has a keg. It's usually a keg of Bud Light, uh, which is good. And then I think, though, the winner, winner chicken dinner is at Portland. Um, they right. have craft beer, which is great. And then they also serve wine, and, uh, and they're generous with the poor. And so I would have to say that I miss post games at, uh, out there in, at, at the Moda Center in Portland. Yeah, no, they are definitely the winner, and it's also the best of both worlds because I think probably ninety nine percent of the reporters, like nobody's driving. You know what I mean? You can you can maybe even have a second one after you're done and, and not worry about because you're either jumping on whatever they call their metro rail out there or you're walking uh, to your hotel. Uh, so the logistics are are advantageous. I feel like uh, you mentioned the Warriors. I think they deserve a little shout out. I think they're the only uh, team that they not only have beer post game, but they have. I'm forgetting what they call it. It's it's like dub ale. Like they have their own Warriors yes. themed beer that uh that I may have like three or four of sitting in my fridge at home. I may have, you know, taken a few roadies that, that never got touched. Um uh, but that's a nice little touch that that should be mentioned. Um uh, so yeah, I mean these are all these are all things that uh, one of these days we'll get back. It's funny, as a beat writer, um I used to really hate uh, I, first of all, I used to hate anything that was unnecessary, and there was there, there because so much of your day is routine, and so much of your week is routine, and you do the same things over and over, and so you you would come to realize that um, you know maybe there wasn't a whole lot to shoot around, or there certainly wasn't a whole lot to pre-game locker room. So few players want to talk during those things anymore. And then I think depending on your coach, like who you're covering coach-wise, those can be uh, really pointless because there are just some coaches who don't say a whole lot. Um, but the thing that one of the things I miss right now, 
especially because in this new in the national role you're going to certain kinds of games and and most of these teams um, that are really good just happen to have engaging thoughtful coaches and I really do miss the back and forth with them either pregame or at shoot around um, and just kind of getting to listen to them and getting to uh, watch them interact with their beat guys and then also get a chance to talk with them ourselves because that's being a national reporter they tend to you know you let's just let's not you know bullshit i mean they you get a chance to talk to them uh and maybe a little bit more access than than some of the others do and so you know i i miss talking with doc rivers and i miss talking with steve kerr and brad stevens and mike budenholzer and Frank Vogel and you know I'm just those are a couple off the top of my mind I think they're the league there are some really you know good coaches thoughtful coaches um I know you just talked to one um you know it's up to you if you want to name them I, but I just I think uh you know that that's something I really like I really like the personalities we have uh, on some of our coaching staffs and, and getting a chance to mix it up with them yeah no I'm with you um you know I'll leave the name out because I think next week we'll probably end up talking about that story that we have coming, but um, this I should have said this at the top, Joe, and I think we're going to get going with our incredibly busy days here. You know, just so many places to go and people to see. Um, <laughs> I uh, we we have uh, with good reason lately at the Athletic been trying to make sure we slow down to to say uh, thank you for to the subscribers. I mean, it's not a small thing, and it's not just a a, a business kind of memo thing that's getting circulated here. It, we had a meeting the other day where we talked about this but i think it it landed with me because it's like you know this this business model obviously is what it is we uh you know we count on people subscribing and enjoying our work and and when something like this happens i think certainly the fear was oh boy folks are going to jump ship and um and it seems like the opposite has happened that people enjoy the distraction there's so much good work on the site and we certainly haven't slowed down you know we're, we're doing it everything remotely now and over the phone and trying to crank and and bring you interviews and insights and and different you know well-reported pieces and and some that are just you know light-hearted and fun um so you know we had one last week that josh robbins and i had a good time with debating the you know every jersey in the history of the league and which player you know deserved uh, to be the jersey king of each one of those um so lots of good stuff on the site but you just want to make sure we thank the uh, the subscribers who've been sticking with us thanks to the subscribers and to the listeners for hanging yes, in with us indeed and- downloading and and uh ranking the podcast and all that good stuff so or rating it right rating it that's that's what the kids say that's the language yes yes come on boomer (laughs) all right right, uh, until next week yes sir thanks for listening thank you sam and uh we'll talk again